You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. We live. This is Locked On Hornets, your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Search your podcast app for Locked On to get podcasts on the NBA the NFL fantasy sports, and now I'm starting to see a couple of Major League Baseball podcasts crop Watch up. Out. So we're expanding into baseball. That's exciting. Oh. Go double check, locked on whatever your team is, and see if uh, in your podcast app and see if uh, that show has been created yet. And if it hasn't, it will because we're going global, baby. This thing's expanding every day. Uh, so I'm Doug Branson. I'm the host of This Fair Show, and I'm joined by my co-host from the mean streets of Cotswold, David Walker. David, how are you? I'm good, Doug. I'm so glad to hear that we're going to have some Locked On Baseball podcast because I broke a little news on Twitter last night. I don't know if you were up and saw this. I'm going to be coaching a T-ball team, Doug. What? And, uh, yeah, Yeah, that's right. That's right. We T-ball. reached an agreement. We've reached an agreement uh, late last night. Um, papers were signed. No money was exchanged, but uh, yeah, the uh, the four year old is going to be going into T ball. Uh, the league needs some some new blood. They need some help on the sidelines, and uh, that's what I'm going to be doing this spring. So oh. I'm going to need tips from all of our locked on baseball podcasts. Well, it's a, it's appropriate because this show is going to be about a major change at the executive mm. level, and and your T ball team has decided to make a change. So it all that's right. It all works. Uh, so yeah, uh, follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets on Instagram at Locked On Hornets, and yes, that is the big news. Rich Cho no longer the general manager of the Charlotte Hornets. David, people wanted us to do an emergency podcast yesterday. Yeah, and I, Which I, I like I, I like that I like that they wanted that. I didn't yeah. feel like that uh, this is big news, and we've got a lot to cover. Uh, but it didn't feel. But I can make it feel like like if you want, like this could be. We could make this the emergency podcast. We could play the air horn, do whatever you want. This could we could we could ramp up the tension here. Uh, but yep. we're here now, and I think that's the important part. So here's the news uh, that you need to know. Woj broke it, and then the Hornets made it official. The team parted ways with general manager Rich Cho after informing him they would not be renewing his contract. The team will be looking for a new general manager immediately. Rich Cho has been the general manager of the the Charlotte franchise since June of 2011. His first draft was a busy one. They drafted uh, Kimba Walker, and they began the teardown of the Larry Brown era by trading away Stack Jack, Steven Jackson. His notable moves included trading for Nick Batum and Dwight Howard. He re-signed Kimba Walker, and he signed Lance Stevenson and Al Jefferson in free agency. Uh, So, David, I think the first question that we have to tackle before getting into anything is why is Rich Cho gone right now? Well, simply he's gone because they haven't won enough, Doug, and they they – pretty much put that in place last year with a one-year extension and and made the playoffs a bit of an ultimatum, I mean, clearly. And there's only so many pieces that could go out right now. As you said, uh, they're not going to make a change in ownership. It's very hard, obviously, uh, to move many of these big contracts and players. 
something he may have been trying to do in the wee hours of his time here. And so I don't think they're going to separate from Clifford at this moment. You know, we'll wait and see. I think he's safe for the time being. So there had to be a change from this organization because it just simply wasn't working. And you can debate all you want about the points of what went wrong, what happened this season, but it's Who's responsible for that? Right, right. And everyone has a hand in it, but I think everyone can also agree that it hasn't worked. So whatever this direction was, there needed to be a change. And I think Rich Cho was the most likely one, uh, you know, to to uh, to get the accent right now. Yeah. So a couple of things. I think that Rich Cho was really good at developing trades and coming out the winner of trades. I think the draft record is mixed. And I know there's a lot of debate amongst the fan base about who is responsible for which draft pick. Mm-hmm. And obviously you said it's it's normally there are many voices uh, that end up uh, having some influence. At, but ultimately, uh, Rich Cho is the general manager of the team. Ultimately, it's he bears the responsibility of the personnel moves uh, that right. are made. And I think the other point that I like that you made is that, look, they they had a plan. They they executed that plan, but the plan needed to go near perfectly because they didn't bring, you know, two or three all stars onto this roster. They wanted they brought some players they thought might develop into all stars, and and one of them did in Kemba Walker, but not enough of that happened. Not enough of that development. Players really couldn't stay healthy that they needed to stay healthy, and ultimately, as you said. Rich Show is gone because this team is not playing well and they're paying a lot of players a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So when that happens and and you want to take the franchise in some kind of new direction, and I think there's going to be some debate about how drastic a direction they want to take this team in in terms of uh, uh, the, the direction, the new direction. Is it going to be a full rebuild or is it going to just be a new strategy? Uh, we'll see. We have to wait and see who... Uh, is going to head up this new regime. Does it? Uh, you brought up this question, David. Does this make you view the recent trade deadline any differently? Yeah, that's an interesting one because it seems like they may have given him the trade deadline to try and pull something off, but at the same time, would they have signed off on something that would have been such a drastic change, like a, a moving a Kimball Walker, which would have signaled a full rebuild? had they intended to move on from the front office that would then lead that rebuild, you know what I mean? So I, I don't I don't know how serious any of those talks really could have been at the end of the day. It sounded like Rich went to the team after the trade deadline, kind of in and around this All-Star weekend, just asking if he would be renewed, basically. Um, and for, by all accounts, we should say, <laughs> this seems like an amicable parting of the ways. Right, a conscious. Uh, what's the what's the term? Uh, decoupling, if you will. I like that you know, word. That's an interesting yeah, I word. Mean, decoupling. I mean, obviously he's not happy. Obviously he's not happy about it. Um, but like you said, he did put out a statement. You they released. Yeah, the team. It. The team released a joint statement in which Michael Jordan thanked Rich and Rich thanked Michael Jordan and the organization. Uh, the the full quote is: "I want to thank." Michael Jordan, Curtis Polk, and the entire organization for giving me that opportunity and for their support since that moment. So yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, these you know these situations don't have to go this way. They can get ugly. They can go out into the press. They can 
they cannot end very well. And for all of the talk of, uh, you know, oh, this this might be a dysfunctional organization. You know, people like to like to throw that term around when it comes to to MJ because of his past history uh, with being, you know, the executive um, uh, president of basketball operations for the for the Wizards and such. Like they love to throw around, oh, this is a dysfunctional organization, but this was a functional firing. Like of all, you know, like these things rarely go this well. Right. And, and, and to do it now, one, it gives them a jump on the free agent GM market. You know, if such a thing exists, if they have their eyes on a guy who's still with another team, now that may take some more time. And I think there's a couple of guys in the mix that are certainly working with uh, current teams. There are some that are not. Uh, but I think this allows them to focus on the offseason. There's no more moves to be made on the trade market, obviously, now past the deadline at this point. So, I mean, they've really got to gear up, get someone in place. They still have their scouting department in place. Buzz Peterson will still be heading that up. He'll be the interim GM, of course. But they've really got to concentrate on what their next move is. And you said it. What is going to be the next direction they take this thing in? Because I think that may have something to do with who they bring on board. I mean, the candidates, and and I mean, this is thing is still taking shape, right? So the candidates being mentioned all have, you know, they're, they're not all the same. Uh, some of them are younger. Mitch Kupchak certainly has the name. Um, he, he may, he's got the experience. Former um, general manager of the Los them. Angeles Lakers from 2000 to 2017. Right. And we just don't know. I mean, I've heard thoughts that if Kupchak were to come in, it would be in sort of like a Jerry West consultant role working with the GM. So yeah, like, so let me read that report. So from the out, yeah. from the Woj report, he said, Jordan is planning to continue grooming assistant general manager Buzz Peterson, uh, who was Michael Jordan's roommate at the University of North Carolina, and they both played they basketball go, there. They go to school together? They did. I don't know if you knew this, but huh. Michael Jordan went to the University of North Carolina. And, in Chapel Hill? Uh, people don't talk about that really a in lot. Chapel Hill? Just two that hours? One. Yeah, Chapel Hill. Wow. Yep, not Charlotte. Huh. Uh, so uh, the, this says Jordan. <laughs> you know who is good at basketball? Michael Jordan. Jordan is planning to continue grooming assistant general manager Buzz Peterson as a foundation of Charlotte's front office. And Kupchak, Mitch Kupchak, is a primary target to partner with Peterson. But that's the important word there, league sources told ESPN and then Curtis Polk who is uh who is an executive vice president there uh, with the Charlotte Hornets is is basically Michael Jordan's right-hand man with the Charlotte mm-hmm. Hornets in an interview with Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer uh, basically said that the intent is for the next general manager to come from the outside of the organization right. the the intent is is that but that doesn't necessarily mean that it will happen and also let's say this general manager is just a title it really it really has no uh, bearing on the reality of that person's job responsibilities take one of the other names that is being floated around the charlotte hornets right now in this open position jeff bauer who is the general manager of the detroit pistons but he reports to stan van gundy the coach of the Detroit Pistons, who also holds the title of executive vice president of basketball operations. So yeah. really the question is not, will the general manager be from outside of the organization or will they promote Buzz Peterson? The question is, how will the front office be structured? Who will be reporting to who? And 
that's an important question to answer, and they will have to answer that probably to a lot of these people that they bring in to interview. Would Mitch yeah. Kupchak accept that kind of role? We have this comment here on Twitter from uh, Garrett saying, uh, what do you, long shot, but how do you guys feel about Sam Hinkie? Hinkie is not mm-hmm. a name uh, that's being thrown around the, the Hornets organization right now, but he is certainly a, a big name, former general manager of the, of the Philadelphia 76ers, creator of hashtag the process. But he's a guy, I think, that would want full autonomy, both from <laughs> Buzz Peterson and also Michael Jordan. And so they're going to have to answer all of those questions. Yeah, Hinky's an interesting one because you would think that would signal diving head first into the process, but who knows? I mean, who knows if Hinky would want to go through that again? It didn't really work out that well for him, <laughs> you know. Uh, he started the process, but I don't think he really got to see it through. Uh, he's 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 no longer employed uh, in the NBA, so. Um, you know, it's interesting you mentioned titles because I think in MJ's release, you know, in his statement, I believe he used – he didn't use general manager. He used uh, – oh, shoot. Where is it, Doug? I think he used uh, president of basketball operations or or, or another – Says the search will – sorry, I was looking for it as well. The search yeah. will now begin for our next head of basketball operations. Right. Does he know? But the titles don't mean. That's what I'm saying. The titles yeah, don't yeah. mean anything. The the, right. the the organization can be structured in any way that the owner wants it to be structured. So mm-hmm. just because someone is general manager doesn't mean that they. The only title that matters is the five letter one, owner. That's the only one that matters, and that's ultimately like the decisions all filter to the top. Some owners uh, have d- don't want as much say in certain decisions, and other owners want more. Okay, yeah. there's we we there's much more to talk there's about in this more, show. Yeah. Coming up, uh, we're going to talk about what is the number one job for the new general manager, whoever it may be. We can discuss a few more of these names that are being floated around. Is Steve Clifford safe? Is Rich Show the first shoe to drop? We're going to talk about that coming up as well. Stick with us, Locked On Hornets. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. Think about that. If they won 15 games, if they won 15-0, they'd be a lot better. <laughs> Wait, hold on. <laughs> Breaking news. Yeah. Breaking Pull news. Pull that sound bite. You know I wasn't about to try to do some math. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Fantasy basketball fans, listen up. We told you that the Locked On Podcast Network has a Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast. You want to be listening to that. And if you love fantasy basketball, then you need to try our new favorite app. It's called Draft. It's daily fantasy basketball, but it's not like the other guys. Here's how it works. It's a draft that lasts for just one night, daily fantasy, and there's no management. You just set it, and then you forget it. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wires, Draft even takes care of last-minute injuries for you. Drafts start every couple of minutes, so you can join one right now. And the best part is you can play for cold, hard cash. Drafts start from just $1, one buck. So there's a draft for everyone. No salary caps. You play in a real live snake draft, just like you would play with your friends in a season-long league, 
but you can do it every day. Come and join us on Draft today. Download the app anytime. Just search Draft in your app store, and you can join a game in minutes, or you can play right from your computer on Draft.com, whatever you want. For a limited time only, all new players get a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit, but you have to use our promo code LOHORNETS. That's L-O-HORNETS. That's right. Play a real money game for free on us just for using our promo code LOHORNETS on your first deposit. All right, so we're back talking about Rich Cho, the news. Woj broke it. Hornets made it official. The team has parted ways with general manager Rich Cho after informing him that they would not be renewing his contract. Rich Cho, the general manager since 2011. Now uh, they will be seeking a new general manager. We went over a few of the names. Mitch Kupchak, of course, longtime Lakers front office official, was their general manager from 2000 to 2017. He also, David, went to the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. I don't know if you knew that. This so is, there is this is this is crazy. There's that connection as well. Played in the league, Cupchak did when when Michael Jordan played in the league. So there's so also they, they know each other. They do. I think they're they mm-hmm. are familiar. He's a big name. I think that's the thing that yeah. I see with all of these guys. Mitch Cupchak, Bauer, uh, David Griffin has been floated out there. I think it's safe to say it's not a guarantee, but it's safe to say the Hornets are looking for someone with some gravitas. A, a bigger name to come in. I, I just don't see them taking a flyer on on a new guy. No, I don't think any of these guys are – all of them aren't big names, though, but they do all have experience, right? Like um, you mentioned Bauer uh, in Detroit, and we can talk about some of the positive and negatives of these guys, but Kupchak's a name that shoot, uh, we've talked about it, what, 10 days, two weeks ago? I mean, Chris Mannix first dropped this about probably a month ago now that he had heard whispers out there about Kupchak being mentioned. So uh, he's definitely the name that everyone's watching. And I could see how someone, I could see how Hornets fans would be excited about that as well. Um, His tenure in LA did not end on the best note though. I mean, you know, the last four years there, he was certainly dealing with something he wouldn't have to deal with here in Charlotte, which is Kobe Bryant ending his career, trying to figure out how to navigate those waters but he did hand out some pretty egregious contracts. Yeah, Dean I mean, Moz- got big money. Mozgov. Mozgov. Yeah, they, but he drafted yeah. well. They had plenty of opportunities to make, you know, top three draft picks because the Lakers were not playing well. But they yeah. they seemingly nabbed the right guy in every position and did not, you know, pull a Anthony Bennett type of blunder during that right. period. Um it, it's it's interesting because when he started, so he's he did not he did not. Jerry West was actually the the, the man who uh, pulled off the the Shaquille O'Neal trade and the right. Kobe Bryant draft pick. And then it was uh, shortly after that that West handed things over to to Kupchak. Kupchak was really the architect of the Pau Gasol deal that eventually got Kobe Bryant his two yep. Shackless championships. And that's an important period because that was. That took a lot of A, trade savvy, and B, uh, salary cap finagling. Uh, So Mm -hmm. he has experience uh, unwinding bad salary cap situations, moving players that have big contracts. He did uh, trade for, which, I don't know, you could could, uh, split hairs 
parse words. I mean, he traded for Dwight Howard, but that really was kind of like a free agent acquisition because Howard had made yeah. clear that he was leaving Orlando and it was a matter of teams sort of courting him and then making the trade happen. Uh, but there's this misconception, I think, that by bringing Mitch Kupchak in, you would be bringing in a guy who is used to getting big names to sign with teams and that could benefit the Hornets. But really, Kupchak took over the Lakers and helmed an era of Lakers basketball where things shifted, where L.A. could not bring in the big name in free agency very often. They had to work trades to make that happen. They lost a lot of free agency battles and ultimately at the end really had no influence. Uh, Famously, they bungled the LaMarcus Aldridge free agency pitch and and LMA wanted nothing to do with the Lakers because because the Lakers were still selling La La Land. They were still selling culture and Kobe, and they weren't selling, mm-hmm. hey, we can make you a better basketball player. I don't think that was all Kupchak. I think a lot of that was the the bus regime, the end of the the gym bus regime that and when Kupchak left, big, bus yeah. left they still as well. Land a free agent. At this point, and, and you know, we mentioned this last time. He did pull off the probably the biggest trade that never was. Don't check me on that, but the Chris Paul trade that would have landed him with the Lakers that was nullified by the league office. I mean, that was a pretty big deal at the time. I mean, that would have really shaken up the landscape. And to your point, he's able. He was able in that one, and he's been able to move big pieces, right? Like move big, impactful pieces, and. And certainly some of that's going to be easier when you're in L.A., but a trade's a trade. you got to make the pieces fit, and that's a big part of what Cho was able to do here. Um, so I think the Cub check, again, has the experience doing that. I think anyone they want to bring in is going to have to answer the question, how are you going to untangle some of this financial mess, right? I mean, that to me, if that's not job one, it's, it's job 1A. So it's right up there because that's kind of what has gotten them into this place the bigger contracts that aren't paying off on the court. And probably, you know, to be honest, uh, one of the larger reasons that, that that show has not been retained because giving out those contracts, you know, that falls on the GM. I mean, certainly everyone's involved in that. And Michael Jordan has to write the check. That's another, uh, that's another kind of, misnomer well, out and you there have you too you have guys money. like yeah you have guys like Sam Vicini who I, I don't know if you would call this reporting or just sort of mentioning the whispers that maybe Rich Cho was not completely on board with all of the re-signings that mm. occurred because you had you had Kimba Walker re-signing which I think was a, a no-brainer but then you also re-signed Michael Kidd Gilchrist to a long-term Marvin. deal Marvin Williams to a long-term deal Cody Zeller to a long-term deal, and you ended up losing Al Jefferson and uh, Jeremy Lin, Jeremy Lin. In, yeah. in that in that same offseason. So uh, was Rich Cho completely behind all of those re-signings? Uh, that, that is a question I'm not sure we'll ever have a, a complete answer on. Uh, but you mentioned the number one job for a new GM, David, as, as unwinding uh, this this clock it's going to be very difficult to do though right mm-hmm. because all of these guys are re-signed through next year and uh, that we've already seen reports that they've they've attempted to do this with Rich Cho and yep. were rebuffed by a lot of teams they didn't want these contracts they didn't want these players I think if he's hired if if the if the general manager is hired before the team is completely out of the playoff picture 
then the number one job is to evaluate what they have and say what's what's working on this team and what's not working on this team, and that's going to inform a lot of the decisions moving forward. If that person is not brought in, uh, or or if they're brought in after the Hornets are completely out of the playoff picture, then it's to find out if any of those big contracts are movable. If they aren't, then you try to find creative ways to free up space in the offseason to bring in depth. Does that mean moving a Frank Kaminsky for a second-round pick or a Jeremy Lamb $7 million for a second-round pick just to get some space because you're going to have to replace Michael Carter-Williams. You're going to have to replace Travion Graham. I don't, I don't know if they'll, they'll re-sign Graham or if they will uh, look for another option there. Uh, beyond that... There's a decision, I think, David, that has to be made after next season about which direction to take the team because a lot of those big contracts start to come off the books, including Dwight Howard's $25 million. And do you commit to competing and re-sign Kimba Walker? Because if you read the Curtis Polk interview with Rick Bennell, Polk seemed to, to think that, that, re, that doing the early – uh, the early re-signing of Kimba Walker next season was basically not going to happen because of rules around that. It just wouldn't benefit Kimba Walker to do that, it seemed like my interpretation of it. So like Kimba would not want to early re-sign. He'd want to go out into free agency to get the maximum amount of dollars. Right. And that's, you know, Kimba's been playing the sixth biggest contract on his team for several years now and has been the best player so the man deserves to go out and get maximum dollars. So if they've got to re-sign him after next season, then you've got to make that decision because, or or do you completely tear things down and, and rebuild rebuild around the youth that you have? So that's to me, that's like it might not be job number one, but it's the biggest thing around the new general manager, basketball operations, whatever they call this person. That's the biggest thing that they've got to tackle in the next two seasons. Do you think this buys them any time? Do you think this hire says that, Hey, uh, we're trying to go in a new direction here. You've seen, we've tried to unload some of these contracts at the trade deadline. They'll probably try again near the draft, but let's say they can't do any of that. Do you think just having new blood in the front office says, well, we, we've got to play these out. There's just not a whole lot of wiggle room here. Does that buy them any time, like with the fans? You know what I mean. So, so I don't know. In, I mean, where is the where, where is the there's I, I just there's not a massive amount of. It, this is not New York. This is not L.A. There's no history yeah. of playoff appearances where a fan base would get impatient. Like I, I just think there there is a general malaise. That's what this whole era was about: was bringing the fan base out of the malaise, was getting playoff series victories, in order. To excite the fan, it, like you, they're they're trying to revive the fan base. It's not a matter of uh, holding them off. I think it's mm-hmm. it's trying to trying to get them excited. Now, do they continue down the path that they've set and try to tweak and continue to try to win? That's a big question. Or do they say, okay, we've got to completely restart this thing? I I don't see a five year rebuild, but could I see after two seasons saying? Okay, we need to take a year or two to basically invest in Malik Monk, Dwayne Bacon, and whatever draft pick they make next season, and and then just basically reset the deck. I could see that yeah. happening. 
I don't and, think uh, it's out in, of the realm of, of possibility. And keep in mind, I believe this will be the last year with the current lottery system in place. So like next year, the, the emphasis is, is being trying to be taken off tanking a lot. Right. So like, 14, 14% odds for the top three. It's, right. it's pretty, pretty good odds for pretty even odds for the top 10. Essentially. So it's changing a little bit. I, I don't know, you know, th- that's pretty far down the line, but I'm just saying things are changing. The landscape will change ever so slightly when you're looking at, you know, tanking or, or being bad or taking in a different direction or tearing things down, whatever you want to call it. The rewards are going to be given out in, in a different manner. I want to say one thing about Joe, and we can look at some of these candidates, Doug, if you want to real quick, but I thought that on the whole, he kind of checked all the boxes that you would want a small market GM or really any GM to check. I mean, he had his best player on basically the best contract in the league with Kimball Walker. And in theory, that should allow you a lot more flexibility to bring in other impact guys and sign guys. It allowed him to sign guys, allowed him to give a lot more money out. Those things just did not work out. He took chances on free agents, you know, that, Otherwise, he would have not been able to get, and and I guess these were trades. I mean, Nick Batum was acquired via trade, then they signed him in free agency. But he took a chance on that, moving a first a first round pick and Noah Vonley to bring him in. Took a chance on guys in, uh, like Lance Stevenson. You know, signed Gordon Hayward. That was matched by the Jazz. Um, so did a lot of things that I think you would say for us to be successful, we need to do A, B, and C. But they just didn't hit on enough of those. I mean, really, Kimball Walker became a two-time All-Star. That one obviously worked out. But the other parts of it, adding things around him, the lack of ability to really have any depth behind him at point guard in his entire run here, yeah. I think, is a, is a big problem. They, they didn't hit, but, it's, but also, David, this is important to note. It's not always about what's on paper. It's not always about the moves. Oh, yeah that you make. Uh, this was an interesting uh, bit from the Curtis Polk interview with Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer. Asked what traits the Hornets would look for in the next general manager. Polk said the team doesn't want to de-emphasize the progress Cho made in analytics, but also wants strong networking skills around the NBA. Here's the quote from Polk. We need a strong leader who is well-respected in the organization and within the industry. Someone who can build on the tools Rich provided analytics and also be a great evaluator of talent. So it sounds like within the organization, there was maybe an interpersonal relationship issue. There was maybe a talent evaluation perception of Rich Cho that it was more, and and that's important to note, that Rich Cho came in and basically uh, revamped the the Hornets analytics department and, and, yeah. and brought in a new system uh, that totally revolutionized the way they evaluated talent from an analytics perspective. And that's a big positive legacy, I think, that he will leave with with this group because they were not in a great position under the Bobcats, under the, the Bobcats regime that he took over. They just had, uh, we, we, he, he told us, like they, they had nothing, essentially. Mm-hmm. And, right, and he right. built it. Uh, so that's a positive thing in this, in this new economy that we're in, where analytics are, are valued. And they're needed. And if they bring in a guy, one name we haven't mentioned, Gerson Rosas, who's uh, the Rockets' EVP of basketball operations. I mean, they're all about analytics. So, like, you have to have that if you're going to attract certain types of talent. Um, but there seem to be some things missing 
some some wires that weren't connected between the organization and Rich Cho, and that may have uh, led to his departure as well and could key you on, on who the Hornets uh, look at uh, when they look at some of these uh, other other names. Uh, David, one question I know a lot of fans have is, does this mean that, that Steve Clifford w- will also be getting the boot after this season? Does this signal to you that his job could be under some pressure? I, I don't think so this offseason for me. I mean, taking into the fact, taking into account all the health issues and stuff he, he went through, I don't know that that would play a part in it, but I think they trust Clifford. I think they value him. I think across the league, Clifford is still seen as a very, very good coach and one of the few, you know, shiny assets that this franchise has. I think um, he's shiny. Well, I think he's worked with the ingredients. I just love that you described Steve Clifford as a shiny asset. Shiny asset. So I was so I so love that that it crawled up into my throat. Shiny asset, Steve Clifford. Yeah, so I think he's fine uh, for the time being. But look, I mean, you can't go on in the current state not producing the wins. And he's come out and said this is the most talented roster he's had. He said that multiple times, both before the season and after he returned. And it doesn't look like those results are going to bear out on the court. So uh, he's still going to have his work to do, obviously. But it feels like they have a good working relationship. Of course, it felt felt like Chris Joe had a good working relationship with everybody in there, too. So. Uh, look, things change. Cho is here for seven years. Um, you know that that's a good chunk of change, good chunk of time in the NBA. But I think Steve Clifford still has some time to work with. I'd really love to see him get a couple of more Kimball Walker level, you know, star level players, and and see what see what he can do with that. Is Steve Clifford safe at this moment? I would tell you yes. If they completely collapse over these last 25 games and there really appears to be no hope of a playoff berth next season with this same group of players, then I could see a change because you're you're really, in a sense, stuck with this current roster into next season. And you're going, it looks like you're going to be pursuing another playoff berth next season with these group of players, unless you can move one of these contracts. And if that's the case, and they're not responding to the coach, then I could see them making a change. Now, if they move to tear down the roster in two seasons, they don't re-sign Kimball Walker, they uh, let you know the players that come off the books, they let them walk, and they don't replace those players uh, with um, valuable assets, then... I don't think Clifford survives that uh, less because of any perceived uh, talent gap and more so because I think you would have to have a realistic discussion about how well Clifford would do in a Brett Brown type role, constantly wrangling youths. You know, is Steve Clifford more equipped to lead a playoff team of veterans than he is to uh, shepherd in a a new youth era. Now maybe they. Now again, I'm not I'm not really placing a value judgment on that. I'm not saying yes or no is the answer to that question in regards to Steve Clifford. But I do think that that would be a discussion you would have to have. Like if we're going to go in a completely new direction, yeah. Do we just completely go into into a new direction and and find a a more suitable option to lead a group of 
second, third year players than a group of seventh, eighth year players. Right. Does that make sense to you, David? Yeah. And certainly talent development has been one of the issues I think that people are pointing to, right? Like these young guys that they bring in draft picks are not, not improving as fast as they would like or to the level that they would like. So, um, you know, some of that's going to fall on the, on the coaches side as well. Um, if they decide to go in a totally different direction, yeah, you're right, Doug. It's like, you know, is everything going to start over? I don't think the ownership is going to change, as we said. So at this point, when there's a examination necessary from, from the top down, you can never feel 100% safe. But I'm with you on this. I mean, unless it's a complete collapse, you got to feel like Clifford's safe through, through this year at least. All right, let's put a bow on all of this. Obviously, it stinks when anyone loses their job, though I think Rich Cho has a place in the NBA and will quickly uh, bounce back and find a role with another team because he's a he's an SBG. He's a certified smart mm-hmm. basketball guy. Uh, but the question is, David, what will we remember the Rich Cho era for? You said it, seven years. That's a long time for any executive to be with any team, especially a team that only made two playoff appearances. So what will we remember this era of Hornets basketball under Rich Cho for? The trades, man. Trader Cho, he earned that trades, game for a man. reason. I think that's where he really excelled, um, made some good trades, and, and took some Acquired chances, Acquired some right? shiny assets. Some shiny assets, <laughs> right, that otherwise probably would not have been able to be here. And he, and he took some chances – um, and, and oftentimes had to wiggle out of his own, not of his own mess, but I mean, look, the Dwight Howard thing was, was a, a correction on the Miles Plumley deal. So, uh, he was able to, you know, see things from that perspective and did a good job of, uh, of shepherding this new era of Hornets basketball. I don't think it's an easy spot to be in, Doug. And it's certainly, um, I know he was appreciative of it and, and we certainly enjoyed our time with him and on the show and and you know so i think the trades will go down in history it's just odd that his last one was for uh for our guy willie is it willie or billy did we ever figure we that haven't out? we haven't figured that out okay. yet we're still our, our our locked on hornets loh investigative team is is still on the case we're we're interviewing uh we've we've summoned <laughs> a grand jury uh we're we're trying to subpoena steve bannon we're working on this people is what i'm saying um, you know, the, uh, the one thing I'm sad about, he never got to make up for the sad Anthony Davis face. But that was no one should have to go through that. And, and he went oh, through that man, Bobcat yeah. season there's a, there's to the bottom out. And yeah, we, we actually we were nice enough to bring that up to him when we talked to him. How sad were you? on? That yeah, day? that's what I remember is he is the only general manager or front office executive to ever appear in the Locked on Hornets studio. <laughs> uh, no, the two words that I think define the Rich Cho era are structure and direction. And you can apply this to Steve Clifford as well. These two guys really go, I think, hand in hand because before the Rich Cho era, often, and Bobcats fans will remember this, things seem to happen at random. Like nothing nothing made sense. And, and there really wasn't a law. Lo- it didn't feel like at least there was a long-term plan or a long-term direction. And, and when they brought Rich Cho in and they did break down that Larry Brown team and, and they started that and they hired Steve Clifford, it felt like there was a structure and it felt like they had a plan, which was to, to acquire this talent through the draft, 
to keep a group together, a group of players that played well together, that were greater than the sum of their parts, and to try to develop that core of talent in a similar way that that Washington is doing right now, that Portland is doing right now, sort of that that strategy. And we always said this, David, like you had to respect the fact that they had a direction. Now, whether or not you agreed with that direction or not, they they had a direction that a lot of people, a lot of smart basketball people liked for a small organization. You you find talent that works with your other talent and you keep those players instead of letting those players go and be successful somewhere else. And you find system guys and they liked Steve Clifford's system and they found players that played well within that system. The problem, and this is sort of the flip side of the, the Rich Show era and what we will remember it for, is the problem was that it needed to go near perfect. Like you had to have all of these players stay healthy and and develop and get better each season. And you can go sort of player by player with everyone except Kemba Walker and say, well, that didn't quite happen. Cody Zeller couldn't stay healthy. Nick Batum, there were health issues in that playoff uh, uh, matchup against Miami, and then he had the elbow injury this season. And he didn't quite develop his efficiency as his usage increased. MKG never developed that three-point shot, uh, always struggled to be an impact player on offense. And so you just go down the line, and those things didn't quite happen the way they needed them to to get a playoff series victory. And and ultimately, I think that caused the end of, of the Rich Cho era more than any, I mean, obviously, it, it, more than any kind of like interpersonal relationship issue, I just think you, you, this all goes back to look. It was seven years and two playoff appearances. It just it just wasn't good enough, and it didn't really have much hope of getting better next season. So you, you make this move now, you look in a new direction, and uh, hopefully we co- we covered a lot of those bases. We'll be talking more about this as the week goes on. And, of course, the Hornets get back on the court tomorrow against the Brooklyn Nets. So we will have a preview of that game tomorrow. Thanks for sticking with us here on Locked On Hornets. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, whatever you use to get your podcast. Just search Locked On Hornets. We're back again tomorrow for David. I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte.